Well, good morning again, church. Thanks for being here. I was talking to Lindsay this afternoon, and she's like, how are you feeling about this? I said, I'm nervous. And she said, about COVID? I said, no, about preaching. I haven't done this in forever. I, I cut myself shaving right before I came. I was so nervous. I forgot my wedding ring. Like, we're one night in, and we already, already had a wardrobe malfunction, you know, so this live filming. So anyways, I'm nervous about this, but thanks for being here. You may remember back in March, it was the start of the pandemic, and it seemed like everything we, w- we were hearing was, was bad news. And so we needed some good news, and we got it, some good news, in, form of a, in the form of a um, YouTube series called, anybody know? Some Good News is what it was called creatively. It was led by Jim from The Office, John Krasinski. And basically, it just featured like good, heartwarming stories from around the world. And some people tuned in to watch his little YouTube miniseries. And by some people, I mean like a little over 50 million people have watched it, which is close to the number of views I get on a Sunday morning, like almost, almost there. Y'all, that was funny. One of my friends said, the hardest thing about preaching in the pandemic is the mass. You can't tell if anybody's enjoying it. I need y'all to laugh because I am funny. So anyways, who would have thought that by September we would still need good news? And we do, don't we? And so we asked y'all to tell us something good. Let's see what you said. Hello, my name is Elaine Frost. My good news is I just got married, I moved, and I started my first job teaching kindergarten, and I love it. We have the NBA Rookie of the Year right here in Memphis, Tennessee. We got to spend this week at the beach. Isn't that good news? We're having a baby. Some good news for our family is we got, we got to, to go, go back, back to school. I lost my two front teeth. My daddy is now a tenured professor. Hi. We're the Maharos, and we'd like to share the good news that on July 31st, we welcome Ava Elise Maharo into our family. Thank you for all your wonderful prayers and your wonderful gifts. Give it in a lot to us. Thank you. Hey, Dashers here. Um, we were asked if uh, we would share our good news oh. for the week, so we had some. We had a great week. After uh, almost three years of foster care. Um, Allie being in foster care, um, the adoption process is over. So Cohen, what happened? Um, we got to adopt Allison. <laughs> <laughs> it's great news. Love Stop you guys. Say bye. 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 My mom lives at Kirby Pines and in January, we had her 90th birthday. Since that time, she's been in and out of the hospital, but now she's just doing great. And she has some good news, Mom. The good news is I'm getting married to Bob Shears, October the 1st. It's good news here at Kirby. Everywhere, the good, good news. Ah, man, that's so awesome. We got new babies, new marriages, 
so much good news. So thanks for sharing that Highland family. In fact, most of those folks aren't even, aren't even here on site. So they're part of our online community and they've got good news to share with us. So thank you for that. So as I was thinking about what to preach next after we finished our Daniel series and heard from our elders today, I'm pretty tired. I don't know if any of you, of you are like this. I'm tired of making plans in 2020 and having to can those plans, you know? So I decided I'm not gonna make plans anymore, even when it comes to preaching. Here's what we're gonna do. We're going to just dive into the book of Mark, and I'm going to show you why in just a second. But we're just going to begin going verse by verse through the book of Mark, and we're just going to, going to stay in that as long as we need to. We'll take breaks for other things as they come up, as we need to talk about special events, maybe outreach contribution, Christmas time. We're going to take some special breaks as stuff comes up on our world, but we're going to dive into the book of Mark. And this is why. This is why the book of Mark stuck out to me right now. This is how Mark starts. He says this, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son. Well, what do we need right now? Good news. And I also don't want to overlook the fact that, like I've said several times, you know, thousands of people are joining us each week who may have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ before. And I don't want to look back on 2020, on this pandemic, and say, I wish I would have preached Jesus more. Like, this is what the world needs. And so we're going to dive in to the book of Mark, starting here in verse one. So let's jump in and let's see if we can get kind of a picture of what the good news is according to Mark. This is Mark one, starting in verse one. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I'm sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. And John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey and he announced, one stronger than I is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's do an exercise here. Let's, if, if you've got your Bible in front of you, or if you're looking on the screen, you can follow along with me. I want to highlight some words here, and I want us to see if we can kind of get a picture of what the good news is about Jesus Christ according to John. We're going to make one of those word pictures. You've seen these before online. Okay, we're going to highlight these keywords. And the first thing that Mark says about the good news is that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, Christ is not his last name. You know this. Those of us tuning in online, it's not his last name. It means anointed one. And specifically, it means he's the anointed to be king. So we could replace Christ there in the, in the center with king, and we'd be saying the same thing. There's something about the fact that Jesus is king that is central to the gospel. That's going to anchor it. The gospel is about Jesus, and it's about the fact that he is king. All right, let's move on there. And then it says God's son or son of God. So apparently there is something about the fact that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is divine, that is central to the good news or gospel. In fact, that's the same word, gospel, good news. I'm going to use them interchangeably. It's the same word. There's something about Jesus being God's son that is central to that. But let's keep going on. And then he adds this. He quotes scripture. He says, this all happened according to what was written. 
So apparently we can't understand the good news of Jesus apart from this long story of scripture that leads us to this point when Jesus arrives and Mark begins to describe his story. So scripture is a part of what the gospel is. But he goes on, all right? You also have this word sin. You see that word? It shows up a couple times in these verses. And then close by to sin, you have this other word forgive or forgiveness. And so apparently there's something about my sin and God's forgiveness that is central to the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. Then the passage ends with that language of the Holy Spirit. You see that there in the last verse of this passage? Okay, the Holy Spirit is this long-awaited expectation of the people of God since almost before time began. And the expectation is that God would come and dwell among us by His Spirit. And so that is part of the gospel. So I want to pick up on that. And then I want to underscore two other terms. And these are the two we're going to focus on today. And they are two that I skipped. They show up earlier in the passage. They show up multiple times, both of them. And they are wilderness, you see that? And way. Wilderness and way. Okay. Um, what's Mark doing right here in these first few verses? I had a preaching professor, and he used to say, and you've probably heard this before, that this is how you preach. You tell people what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them, and then you tell people what you told them. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? All right, Mark's not actually a preacher, though. That's not what's happening here. Mark's an artist. He's a storyteller. How many of you watched uh, Bob Ross paintings. Do you, do you remember Bob Ross on the PBS show who would do those paintings and he would draw those happy trees? You remember those happy trees in the mountain scenes? You remember that? I used to watch Bob Ross while doing calculus homework. Somehow that like put me in the mood for calculus, his soothing voice. Well, you may remember Bob Ross, he'd always start his pictures and he'd trace the whole thing. You'd kind of see these mountains and these trees take shape. And then he'd go back and he'd add these details. He'd add shadows on the trees and he'd add snow falling. And he had this little cabin with smoke coming out of the chimney. Okay, so what we have here is Mark, the artist, who's just doing this outline. And we're getting a shape of what that picture is that you just saw that word picture. We're seeing the shape of the gospel or the picture of it, but it doesn't have all the contours defined yet. So confession, I've got a hard time appreciating art. Is anybody else like this? You know, um, like I like to go to an art gallery and I like to see the pictures, but you know what I spend most of my time doing? Reading the little paragraph <laughs> under the picture. You know, the one that's explaining this picture or explaining like the history of the artist trying to make sense of what I'm seeing before me. I know that's what I like to, for instance, you know, just to give you an example of how bad the artistic side of my brain is. In third grade, I was in chorus. I'll never forget, I was standing on risers like these. And the chorus teacher comes by me. We're all singing our little hearts out and she comes by me and she leans her head towards me. She does it again. She looks at me just disapprovingly and she says, Eric, you're not singing. You're just talking. I said, no, ma'am, I'm singing. And she said, no, you're just talking. And to this day, every time we sing, I don't know the difference. Like, I can't tell if I'm just saying these words too long and too hard. You know, that's how I feel every time. So my artistic side of my brain doesn't work, okay? But I've been told, like, if you go to an art gallery and you're standing there before this piece of art, you're not supposed to just sit there and read the, the paragraph. You know, good art is the kind that you get lost in, the kind that just draws you into it. 
without you even knowing, you just feel yourself kind of moving into this picture. That's good art. And that's how Mark starts. You know, not only are we being invited into this scene, but everybody, but the, the story starts with everyone, everyone in Judea, all the people are streaming towards this good news that they're hearing from the mouth of John the Baptist. And they're streaming towards it into, of all places, the wilderness. Do you notice that? Multiple times we're told that they are in the wilderness and that the beginning of this good news takes place in the context of the wilderness, going back to Isaiah's prophecy. Think about that for a second. They want to hear this good news so bad that they stream to hear it into the wilderness. The wilderness is a major character in scripture, shows up all the time, uh, shows up from the very earliest stories. What happens to Adam and Eve after they sin? They head into the wilderness. Cain, after he kills his brother, goes into the wilderness. Uh, Israel, after the Egyptian bondage, the release from bondage, they head into the, no, towards the promised land, but they don't get to go into it. Why? Because they sin and they spend 40 years in the wilderness. They sin again later, they're sent into the Babylonian wilderness. Jesus in the next few verses goes into the wilderness and who does he find there? He finds Satan. You know, wilderness is a, as a character in scripture is this place where we encounter our sin it's this thing that confronts us with suffering, with the stuff we don't like to deal with. That's where the story of the good news starts, which almost makes it feel like the good news starts with bad news, or at least a bad setting. But it also feels like a, like a really true place to start the story. You know, think about this for a second. Imagine if the Gospel of Mark started in a magical castle with fairies, and clouds. And nothing was ever wrong. No one ever did anything. No one ever got thirsty. No one ever got hungry. No one was ever sick. No one ever did anything wrong, right? If you heard good news or what somebody claimed to be good news that started in a setting like that, what would you say? Oh, that's not real, right? That's not good. That's not true. That's fiction is what that is. That's fantasy, because life is not like that, is it? Just this week, I'm thinking about people I've talked to this week. This week, I've talked to somebody whose grandson was in a terrible accident. I've talked to somebody who's separated from their family. I've talked to somebody who survived abuse and wrestles with it every day. Um, I've talked to somebody who's struggling with cancer this week. Uh, we have in this church family, we've got kids who are doing virtual school. I've talked to some of those families talking about how difficult it is. We have teachers in this church body who are teaching virtually, talking about how difficult it is. We have people who've lost jobs in this family. I've been like overwhelmed by the amount of wilderness just in our church family this week and this week. My nephew was born. He's not doing well. He's struggling. We're thankful for the great team that's taking care of him in Texas. My sister's able to see him and be with him. She was able to hold him today. Praise God for that. He's getting a little bit better. But man, his life is starting hard. 
Life is hard, isn't it? So when we look at this picture of the gospel, it's setting in the wilderness makes us realize this thing right here is true. You know, it's the difference between being in an art gallery and saying, wow, that picture is cute. And saying, whoa, this is real. Like this artist, it's like they know me. It's like they know my life. That's how we know this news is true. It starts in the truth of our lives. K.A. Ellis, she said this about the good news. She said, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, lives best on the ground among regular folk, living the grinding vicissitudes of daily life. Did I have to look up the word vicissitudes? Yes. She means the ups and downs, the highs and lows of life, the wilderness of our lives. And I think if nothing else, what we have learned in this pandemic is that life is like that, right? It's up and down. It's high and low. It's hot and it's cold. It's hard. It's a wilderness. But the news, which begins in that true place, doesn't stay there. And that's when this news about Jesus like turns from being just news, just true to being good. Because in addition to that word wilderness, we have this other word way. Look again here, starting in verse two. Look, I'm sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths, his ways straight. My dad used to take me to this old hunting camp when I was a kid. It was like bunk style hunting camp. There's always a bunch of old guys there and they did a lot less hunting and more just talking. And every morning they'd over breakfast, they'd tell these stories. And then every evening as we were getting ready for bed, they'd tell these stories and they'd keep me up late at night hearing these stories. And one of them was named Bubba and Bubba told the best stories. And he told this story, I'll never forget, he told this story about being in the mountains of Colorado hunting elk. And he spends his day just up and down in the mountains looking for elk. He doesn't realize it because he's below the crest or the ridge of the mountain, but the sun is set and it's getting dark all around him before he realizes it. And all of a sudden it's dark all around him. It's snowing, but he can't find his footprints. He loses them in the snow. And he says he wanders around for hours trying to find his truck. He can't find it. He's shivering and he's cold and he finds this tree and he huddles up under the tree and he just shivers the night away. And I'll never forget. He said, Eric, you know what? I said, what? He said, the next morning the sun came up and there was a gravel road not 20 yards from me. He said, I took that gravel road down to the truck and I drove home. A path appeared, he said. Have you ever considered that the opposite of lost is not actually found? You know, the opposite of lost is a path, a way. A direction. I mean, think about that. With an object, like if I lose my keys, I then find my keys. But when you and I are lost, we don't suddenly imagine that we are found. What do we do? If we find a direction or path or a way, we follow it and we don't feel so lost anymore. So Mark starts his good news about Jesus Christ by saying, there is a way that what the Lord has is a way. 
And that what the Lord has done is sent his king to this earth to travel upon the Lord's way ahead of us. And it just so happens that the Lord's way heads, makes its way through the wilderness of our lives on its way to glory. And that we have somebody on this way who is traveling it ahead of us saying, come on, follow me. That's what Jesus says, follow me. He says, I am the way. You remember that? You know what the Christians were called first before they were called anything else? The way. Eugene Peterson says, the other ways are no ways. I love that. One of the earliest Christian symbols is a fish. You know the story behind the Christian fish? You've probably seen these. You've probably doodled them on paper. You probably maybe have one tattooed or something like that, okay? You know the story behind the Christian fish? It's one of the earliest Christian symbols, not because we like fish. Um, we certainly have some fishermen who make up a big part of the story of Jesus, but that's not actually why fish plays a big role in the early church. It's an acrostic. So the Greek word for fish is ichthus. You don't have to remember that. There's not going to be a quiz after it. But each one of those letters, ichthus, makes this perfect gospel acrostic. It goes like this, Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Ichthus. I don't know which Christian member of the way was the first to figure that out, but someone did. And then these started showing up everywhere. They're all over the ancient wor world. They were scribbled into stone like you just saw there. They were scribbled onto parchment and passed around. They were, they were painted over doorways. And the idea was that Christians and people who were lost would see these fish and recognize that here's a safe place. Okay, here's a safe person. You know, here's a person that's following Jesus. You know, I feel lost and I'm looking for direction. Here's a way to go. This person's on the Jesus way. That's what the fish means. And that's the gospel. It's the Jesus way. Let me get up early to ride my bike. Um, the more kids we have, the earlier I have to get up. You know about that? And um, so I get up while it's still dark and I make a little coffee and then I, I roll out from the garage and it's dark all around me. The darkness just envelops me and I've got this little light on my handlebars that just lights a few feet in front of me, but I can't see anything to my sides and I'll hear these animals just darting into the brush and I'm convinced everyone's a lion, right? <laughs> and uh, everything spooks me, everything I hear and um, I just pedal along in the darkness and I can't see where I'm going beyond just a couple feet. I mean, several times deer have walked out in front of me. I had to slam on the brakes because I can't see him. It's this kind of frightening thing. I'm on edge the whole time I'm out there while it's still dark. And yet I've come to prefer that time to riding to any other time. Because what I've found is that after an hour of being in the dark, I crave the sun. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I have felt lost or in darkness for a long time, it's that that makes me crave the sun. And it is the sweetest thing to see the sun begin to come up over Shelby Farms. And it's usually pink or purple and that sun arcs across the sky. And I love it because suddenly everything that was scaring me in the darkness, the same animals are still there, but now instead of scaring me, it's just deer grazing in the meadow beside me. 
you know, birds, instead of just wrestling in the trees, they're singing. And I love as that sun comes up, I turn off my little light, my laughable little light compared to that sun. And I just pedal into the sun's rays. I went looking for a language to describe what I was feeling every morning as I saw that sun came up. And I came across this. This is from Zechariah. And Zechariah says this when he learns that Jesus the Christ is coming. This is what he prays. He says this, because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path, the way of peace. So I printed that off and I taped it to my handlebars. <laughs> and I see it every morning as the sun comes up. I think there are people watching right now who feel lost. <laughs> I think there are people in this room to whom life feels like a wilderness this week has been hard. And the good news of Jesus is that there is a way and that he is traveling that way ahead of us and that he's calling to you and me and he's saying, follow me, follow me.